Hey, Shakes Pals. Happy Throwdown Thursday. We've got another banger of an episode for you today in our high school superlative season. This week featuring Tyra Burton talking about which Shakespeare character would be voted teacher's pet. It was really fun to get to chat about this as someone who wasn't necessarily that and also as a teacher and with Tyra as a teacher is just a great, great fun discussion to get to have massive. Thank you again to Andrew Dunn for coming on last week to talk about which Shakespeare character would be the least prepared or have done their homework the least and make sure that you are checking out barefoot Shakespeare, especially unrehearsed Shakespeare. If you're in the New York area, go see it. It's sure to be an amazing time. Reminder that you can follow us at P2M pod on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find us at patreon.com slash P2M pod. If you want to see the videos of these recordings, I can promise a lot of hand gestures and a lot of faces from my end, at least. Also, you get to see the guests and see the conversations as they go unedited. So it's really fun. It's been great to get to release those. And I I just appreciate you. I appreciate you for being here. I appreciate those of you who are supporting on Patreon and everyone tuning in each week to help this show keep going. So enjoy. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head to head each week and you get to decide who wins. Hello and welcome everybody to the front row of class because that's where you're sitting if you're the teacher's pet. I am so excited to have Tyra Burton with me. Tyra is an educator and someone very qualified to be talking about all of the, I'm sure all of the teacher's pets that she's had over the years. Yes, yes, I can do that. Um, So welcome, Tyra. Hi. So um, I'm going to disclaimer first, I'm an educator, but I am a uh, I teach marketing, which means we would market Shakespeare, but we 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 don't study Shakespeare. So, uh. hey, listen, <laughs> it takes all kinds here. I think I've always said that I have a lot of experience in marketing because I've tried to sell Shakespeare to high school kids for over a decade. So that like gives me a leg up on selling things that people don't necessarily want to buy. Well, and high school is actually where I found my love of Shakespeare. So. Uh, it isn't that I don't totally love the bard, but uh, I haven't ever taught him before. That's kind of weird. I think but... that's I think that's a cool perspective to come from. What made you in high school? What made you fall in love with Shakespeare? We were studying him, and he's horrible to read. I mean, he's just if you sit there with the text <laughs> in front of you, you're like, Ugh. and so um, this is old school. I checked out LPs from the library in Decatur, Georgia, that were recorded Shakespeare plays. And I would listen wow. to them. And when you listen to Shakespeare, it is so much better than reading it. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a live play or a movie or a recording of it. It is brought to life by voices. Because when you read those words on the page, it's in a script format. And it just kills part of it. And it actually changed the way my teacher taught Shakespeare. Because after that, oh, okay. she started playing recordings and having us read it instead of having us like read it to each other like as a play instead of us saying, read, you know, the first two acts of Romeo and Juliet. That's really fun. So would you say that you were a teacher's pet when you were in school? There were certainly teachers that I was their pet. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think if you're drastically changing the way that one of your teachers approaches a whole topic, Probably. actually, I don't know if that's a pet. I don't know if it's like, uh, it depends on how the teacher. True. No, she was internalized. <laughs> she was. She was good. She was just excited that I was excited because, like, mm-hmm. I read. It was, you know how we all start off with Romeo and Juliet or one of the classics, yeah. and then I just kept checking out things. So I just found yeah. more and more plays, and um, I do tend to love his comedies, but I've seen almost all of the histories. Uh, because the Shakespeare Tavern did a whole line of them. So um, I've seen just tons of his plays. And really, as soon as you sit down, you you don't understand the words when they first coming, you know, they're first happening. But after you sit there for three or four minutes, you're like, okay, I'm right there in England. I can understand this now. So, but yeah, yeah it was I definitely think- a teacher's pet. <laughs> I think that's a really good point too. Like, even if you're not internalizing every word, theaters that do a really good job or even audio recordings that do a good job of immersing you in the story. It kind of doesn't matter anymore because you're really getting it and feeling it. Yeah. It's just like, it's something that it's just clicks. It's like all of a sudden your brain is like, Oh, okay, let's do that. So. so that's awesome. I love that. I'm excited to, I don't know if I was a teacher's pet in high school. I think I was kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> Did you I, ask a lot of questions? <laughs> I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> I was a questioner and it too. Was, yeah, it was like having been a teacher, I love when kids ask questions, but it definitely takes the right kind of teacher to like that kind of student. Right. You have to be willing, I think as a teacher, you have to be willing to go with the flow. And if you're mm-hmm. one of those that has like a set plan and that person has taken you off of your plan. Yep. Yep. Mm, so. I think it's I, it's kind of funny that this is where I ended up, right? Doing these kind of like improv-based Shakespeare chats because I've very much never had a plan when I was teaching. Like I knew what I was going to talk about and what we were going to discuss, but like so much of it comes from the kids, right? And I'm sure you get this too. Like they're going to have a question or they're going to bring something up that you hadn't even considered before and you have to be willing to let it go where they need it to go, not where you want it to go. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, like, since I teach social media and digital marketing, they sometimes know something I don't. Mm. Uh, The goal of the night is always I do know something they don't. But they often, because of how they how they are, will know things, particularly about channels where I might not be as much involved. So, Yeah. yeah, that conversation always happens. But I know a lot of people who can't do that. Like when I record for online classes, I just hit a button, record and start talking. And I know most of my friends have scripts. I'm like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I even tried to read off a script and I just, I let my mind even goes from there. Like I just don't follow it. And all of a sudden I'm on this tangent and kind of following the threads that I feel like are the right threads in the moment. Right. I mean, you have to, I think, read the room. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. I teach people how to do social media. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Where can people where can people find you? Oh, tyreburton.com. because I married my husband and thankfully Tyre Burton was available because I changed my name. And if it hadn't have been, I probably wouldn't have. (laughs) But I told him the day that I really committed to him was the day that I let go of my website with my maiden name. Was it really the day we said our vows? That was the day we were like, <laughs> okay, you're stuck with me for life now, dude. Yep. Uh, but I'm over there. <laughs> and I produce, uh, I'm a host of a podcast called Building Bold Connections over on Kennesaw State uh, University's Colks College, where we talk to business leaders. And that one is lovely because I just walk in and 
talk to people. And then I walk out and people do all the magic. And I have two podcasts that I keep trying to resurface, which is the Geeky Side and Geek Meet Social. And sooner or later, there'll be a new social media book coming out. Beautiful. I love that. All right. TyraBurton.com. Everyone go click it. You can find all the links there. <laughs> and let's get into the meat of this. I'm very, very excited. So... I'm just going to ask you straight up, Tyra, who in mm -hmm. Shakespeare do you think would be voted the, the teacher's pet? Well, Who's the most teacher's pet? I don't know if it's the most teacher's pet, but I narrowed my focus to one play. Okay. Because I'm like, I don't know all of Shakespeare, but I know this play pretty well. And it's my favorite play and my favorite characters. Yes. Uh, and that is Much Ado About Nothing, which I know you also are obsessed with. Mm-hmm. So, sure um, I am. I'm going to skip the two obvious teacher pets, which would be Hero and her love, because they're all sweet and cuteness. But let's go with Beatrice <laughs> and Benedict. And I have been debating in my head, okay, which one do I want to take? And I have decided on, I'm going to take Benedict. Okay. I so. love that. So <laughs> you probably won't hear this in the recording, but uh, you'll see it in the video. There was a moment where Tyra was very clearly, do I take Beatrice or do I take Benedict? Do I take Beatrice or do I take Benedict? Like trying to figure out which way she wanted to go. And I saw that decision happening in real time and it was wonderful. It's true. Cause earlier this afternoon I was going to take Beatrice and then I decided not to. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you think that Benedict is yeah. the biggest teacher's pet. And I think that Beatrice. Yes. Perfect. All you right. Why don't you take I mean it away? They're both great ones, I think. So with Benedict, I think this is a man who not only knows how to turn a phrase, and he does this to Beatrice actually in in the in the play. He knows how to stop the other person from going. So if somebody's going to say negative, he knows exactly what to say to kind of wrap that up and bring it to a close, which is a good one. I think he's also the jester in many ways, as we know, as far as, you know, his fighting buddies. He's the one that's going to make the jokes. He's the one that's going to make everybody laugh. And when you make people laugh, uh, that makes them love you. Uh, mm. uh, and I just like his wit. I think his wit mm. says how smart he is. Now, whether or not he applies himself is another question, but I think his wit is there. His humor is there. Um, he knows how to turn a phrase. And I also think that he is willing to fight for the right things which also makes him part of that hero character that's within him that kind of shines through. Like he would might be the kid on the playground who might jokingly stop a fight so that it doesn't happen. And as a teacher, I would love that. So that's yeah. my first crack at why it's, why it's Benedict. Okay. I want to, like, I want to touch on that for a second because I always used to say that the, like, you know, you always have students who maybe don't do all of their work. And you know you have students who, like, if they just applied themselves, like, they could be so much so much more successful in class. Right. But they're so funny. And, like, those are always my favorite students because, like, yeah, maybe they didn't do all of their work. <laughs> but, like, but they bring, like, you exactly like you said, they bring this positive, like, vibe to the whole classroom. Right. And there's something so valuable about that that I feel like when those sure. kids grow up, they're going to be really, like, great employees because they have their – they probably will learn to actually do the work. Let's and 
Yeah, let's hope. Somebody would make me laugh on a test when they totally didn't know the answer, but they would make something up. I was like, minus whatever. And then I said, plus two for making me laugh. <laughs> There's a real skill in that. But there is. have you anyway. considered Beatrice as the teacher's pet? This is a little hard um, because I think that I've always seen a lot of myself in a Beatrice. And like I said, I don't think I was a lot of teachers pets. <laughs> I think that my constant questioning and standing up for like what I perceived as right might not have produced the best classroom envi environment. Um, but I do think that she has so much heart and so much sincerity and so much passion for, I think it would have to be the right class. Kind of like mm, you said earlier, yeah. like not, she's not going to be every teacher's pet, but there are a couple teachers, probably an English teacher, let's be honest, <laughs> that that's the right class for her, that she would really, really shine in and she would need a teacher that encouraged and cultivated that in her. And if you have that kind of cyclical relationship that she is adding to this learning environment in a way that like, because the negative side of teacher's pet is that the other kids don't usually love the teacher's pet, right? They're voting them that because they don't, <laughs> they don't love it. And I think Beatrice, that's where she kind of fits the best is that she has put herself almost as like a teacher's assistant hmm. position. I'm talking myself into this argument as we go um, <laughs> that she's put herself in that position of authority almost in the class. And because she's so brilliant and she's so she has so much of a questioning and engaging spirit that that is rewarded by the teacher and the other kids see that as like she thinks she's better than them. I could see that. Yeah, I think I think they both both suffer and benefit from fitting ideals of masculinity and femininity. Like she suffers because she is not your classic heroine. She is mm -hmm. um, ballsy and witty and smart and not afraid to tell you she's smart. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> she's, and she's all that. And then you have uh, Benedict who is, you know, very classic. He's the, the joking young man who is very charismatic and witty and funny and his friends like have that jocularity. So I think they, they benefit and suffer from that kind of traditional stereotype, which would have been around when Shakespeare was doing his thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting on the Benedict side. Cause I'm, I'm trying to see like, I, Oh, maybe it's that like, uh, every month he has a new sworn brother thing, right? Yes. Like every year he has a new favorite teacher and seeing like maybe his sucking up is more just that sucking up to get a good grade, which is how it's perceived. Cause like, yes, I feel like everyone else would think he's funny and fun and cool. And like, that's where I don't think he would necessarily be voted teacher's pet, but maybe if we look at it from that way that it's like every year it's something new and different. Yeah. Well, he, he definitely adjusts for his audience. Yes. Beatrice does not. She's just Beatrice. <laughs> Benedict, oh, Benedict is like, I'm going to adjust for this audience so that I can benefit from this situation. 
It's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is going to be 100% herself no matter what, no matter who's listening. No. Which is why I think she's one of my favorite Shakespeare characters as a woman, because mm-hmm. she is that. You know, it isn't like The Taming of the Shrew or one of the others where the woman changes part of who she is. Yeah. Beatrice yeah. doesn't change who she is. They just realize that they love each other and move on and probably drive each other crazy for years upon end. But that's what I love about her is that she doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a super interesting because like I love both of these characters so much, but I feel like first glance they don't really fit that traditional right. like you said, you're not taking the obvious choices. Like they don't you your mind doesn't go directly to them for a teacher's pet, but I think there are really good arguments to be made on either side. Right. They're kind of like the first ones we would think about. I mean, Hero would have been a teacher's pet. Oh, yeah. Hero. Absolutely. And Hero's in the front of the room raising her hand like, right. oh, Miss Burton, <laughs> what do you think of? <laughs> right. And that's not giving Hero enough credit, but I also think she would be doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, she totally. I mean, she seems smart, but she's not like Beatrice smart, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, um, but yeah, she's the obvious one who would have been. I mean, to me. So I thought That's it was much funny. more interesting to look at the other two who are kind of, in one way, we have the class clown and Benedict. Yeah. And in Beatrice, we have the class know-it-all. <laughs> yeah. These are really fun. I think that if you're looking at class clown versus class know-it-all, I personally feel like class know-it-all is going to lean more into the getting voted teacher's pet category. Um, but... There's also such a mean spirit in high school that, like, oh my gosh, yes, they just would ignore her completely. <laughs> and it, I agree. We had talked about it depends on what teacher it is. Yeah, you know. Yeah, completely. I mean, if you need somebody who's going to lighten your room or take care of, you know, changing the subject or moving it around, that's going to be Benedict. If you need somebody who's going to raise their hand and know the answer, that's our dear girl Beatrice. Yeah. Y'all, what do you think? Is it Beatrice or is it Benedict? Who is getting voted teacher's pet in Much Ado High or Messina <laughs> High, I guess we're, we're looking High. at? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Yeah, this was really, really fun discussion to get to have. I know. Now I, I'm going to I watched the play this morning. So now I want to go watch it again. Which version? Oh, my favorite. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, you can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't beat Emma Thompson. No, you can't. And you can't beat the fun thing about that one is the camera angles. If you mm-hmm. ever go and watch it again, watch the camera angles. The last <laughs> shot is one continuous. <laughs> oh, Tyra. Thing. I don't think I've told you no. about the entire the entire research essay I did in my master's program where I talked about how Kenneth Branagh <laughs> Made, oh my god uh how kenneth Branagh made a new genre of film shakespeare rather than taking comedy history tragedy like he tied them all together if you watch each of these three plays uh much ado henry five and then uh hamlet was it hamlet? uh yeah his stupid hamlet yeah um i hate his <laughs> hamlet i'm sorry i won't apologize for that um <laughs> if you take those three films they are not distinguished by their Shakespeare genre because he uses the same film techniques. Yes. He has a long shot in each. He has the same composer in each. And so, like, if you listen to that theme from Much Ado, um, 
and then you listen to the music in Henry V, and then also there, it's a little bit more different in um, in Hamlet, in Hamlet, but it's still the same compo- composer. So you're Doyle. hearing, yeah, you're hearing the same music essentially, and like you're supposed to. Be, music is so so much an indicator of how you're supposed to be feeling that it's so confusing. Like, is this? Am I inspired? Am I sad? Is it funny? Like. He just made one genre of Shakespeare rather than like I. That's unimportant for this. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> because if you watch Shakespeare, it is tremendously important because the way he positions a camera says so much about where he goes and where he ends, and the mm-hmm. ability to do it with one camera and some of those amazing shots was just astounding. And yeah. I didn't know it. Patrick Doyle is the composer is actually in much ado about nothing yes as the as balthazar yes i found that out today i didn't know yeah um it's it's funny because i don't know if i would have noticed uh but my little sister skated to a piece from much ado about nothing uh you know 15 20 years ago and when i was watching henry five for the first time i was like i know this music like i i know this score but it wasn't obviously it was different. Uh, when I watched Thor for the first time, I we got to the credits and I looked at Mike and I was like, "Did Kenneth Branagh direct this? Because it's a Patrick Doyle score right. and he directs it like a Shakespeare film, and it's why I love Thor so much." Okay, like I love he doesn't. That. It's it's I love different Doyle from too. another Marvel. Same. He's so talented. He's so good. Amazing. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. Go listen to a soundtrack. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. Uh I love I love that you called that out because I do think it's a really like a really cool thing that not a lot of people like the cinematography in each. Oh, um beautiful. super cool and super fun. Anyway, you can vote for either Beatrice or Benedict at P2M Pod on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter for now. Thank you so much for being here, Tyra. And thank you all for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, (laughs) y'all.